Well, welcome. If you're wondering what this strangeness is all about, and when I talk about this strangeness, I'm of course talking about a new dimension to Witch Car Weekly. Yes, you join us for the first time in a visual medium, as well as the audio medium you're used to, um, for a very special inaugural version of Witch Car Weekly, complete with the sound of light aircraft in the background. Um, these are very special and unusual times that we are living in at the moment. So in the interest of maintaining physical and social distancing rules, um, welcome to the first vlog Witch Car Weekly. Of course, as is customary, I'm joined by our regulars, Scott Newman and Andy Enright, associate editor and deputy editor of their respective magazines, Motor Magazine and Wheels Magazine. With that official business out of the way, welcome gentlemen. Hello there, how are you? Hello Dan. I'm gonna be completely honest, a bit weirded out. But, you know, these are, mm. these are strange times we live in. I, people keep talking about the new normal. I'm not happy with that expression, the new normal. If it was the new normal, we'd just be calling it normal. And we're not at the moment. It's still bloody weird. So while odd. these strange times uh, prevail, then we just have to move with the punches, don't we? Yep. It's a very, very strange situation. We're making it up as we go along, let's face it. Well, that's what we've done with, like, 50-odd episodes <laughs> <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> you know, so why Nothing's changed. <laughs> Exactly. Um, thank you for joining us. If this, is, uh, if this is a little bit strange, bear with us. Um, and if the audio quality is even worse than it normally is in our terrible studio, then apologies for that. But at least you can see this time quite literally why. Um, the one thing that is not going to change is our usual level of excellent talk topics uh, this week. We are picking on something which is, I suppose, um, very relevant, uh, particularly for me, who's been in actual home quarantine from after returning home from New Zealand I uh, have not been able to leave the house for anything at all for two weeks uh, a testing time um, but one thing we've not been able to do is get in the cars and go for a drive which is what we really love doing and now seems to be a really fitting time to talk about our favorite driving roads gentlemen who would like to kick this off <laughs> um, uh, if, if I can kind of offer some sort of preface to this uh, we did uh, a test very recently with a couple of really nice Porsches and we wanted to take them on a very, very special road. And we got talking about roads in the wheels office and it struck me that there was this slight kind of cultural cringe going on that a lot of the people thought that all the great roads were in Europe or overseas and all that. And I said, no, I think I've got a route here that is the equal of anything I've ever driven in Europe or the States or the Middle East or, or wherever. And it was what's called the Alpine Ring. Basically uh, starts at Bright. You drive down uh, Harrietville and right up onto the top of Australia's highest road at Hotham, down the back to Omeo, maybe overnight in Omeo if you're like us and you've got a load of photography to do. But you can do it in one hit of about four hours. And from Omeo, it goes up the Omeo Highway onto the Bogon High Plains Road, Falls Creek down to Mount Beauty and over the Tawonga Gap. And that road is just absolutely unrelenting corners, just bend after bend after bend. You come out at the end of that with twisted blood. Um, it's where motor and wheels and witch car do a lot of their drive photography because the corners are so good. And the scenery um, is so good. Yeah, the scenery is spectacular. And I'd hold that up in terms of unrelenting challenge and sheer variety of corners as the equal of anything I've ever driven, I think. Well, should we do this in terms of, we probably should have talked about this beforehand, but hey, what's, you know, 
It's the new normal. Same as the old normal. Uh, making stuff up as we go along. Um, do we do? Should we do one, one, one and go around rather than doing our favourites and why then not? move on? So, if, why don't? Okay, Andy, you've want to go into a bit more detail. Presumably, that's one of the ones on your list. Uh, it, it actually isn't. I, I've, oh, okay. I've well, got go. five. Uh, I've got five overseas roads because I've driven these overseas roads quite extensively. I, I've, I've kind of specialised in that, but that is not to say um, I'm ignoring Australia. The best roads I think I've ever driven have been in Tasmania. Well, um, I've got mine's quite Tassie centric as a ex Tassie yes. person. Why is that? Why is that? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a homer. Um, <laughs> Okay, so what, but, uh, uh, why don't you start, Andy, and then go to Dan and then to me? Should we just go like around one, one, one to keep it moving? Uh, okay, then um, I'll go with uh, a road in Romania that is oh. very, very special. Um, and it's the Transalpina Highway. Uh, you might have remembered Top Gear uh, proclaiming the Transfer Garrison as the best road in the world. Well, they didn't get the best road in the world. They didn't even get the best road in Romania. Um, <laughs> it, there are sections of the transfer garrison that are really, really good, but it's only 90 k's long and the, the good bits are around two lakes and they're about sort of 40 or 50 k's in, in total. The Transalpina is wilder. The surface is better. It's higher. It's more beautiful. And there's no, never any traffic on it. And uh, yeah, it's just a better road than, than the transfer garrison by a long chalk. Um, How is driving around the view? Is it pretty? Is it pretty? Uh, pretty wild. Do as you please. Um, some places are a little bit rusticated, <laughs> but um, to be kind. The, the, the one thing, That's yeah, the one thing, <laughs> the one thing that the Transfer Garrison does have over the Transalpina is it's more easily accessible. That means there's higher traffic on it, but there there are things to do, places to stop, and things to buy. The Transalpina is just out there it's a it's a wild mountain road but uh yep that would definitely get my recommendation so what would what would the ideal car for this be Ooh, the ideal car is you want something with a bit of legs um a little bit of a uh, ride quality um but which can still boogie a bit um i don't know i'm kind of leaning towards a an aston martin vantage something like that something that's uh can handle the high altitude, has plenty of guts and go and, and grips a bit, but uh, can handle a bad road when you come across them. Love that car. It's very good. I liked it. Yeah. Okay, Scotty, over to you. Very good. It's almost like you've done this before, Andy. It was great. <laughs> uh, me? Okay, I'll go my first pick. Um, in doing this, it was kind of strange. I realised I haven't... I've been to a few countries and travelled few places nothing like as much as Andy but I realized I haven't actually driven much overseas um, but that's okay because I come from Tasmania which probably has some of the best roads in the world so I'm going to start with the actually the road that basically I grew up on I learned how to drive on it's I used to do it um, on the way home from work you could, could just go the highway I used to live on one side of Hobart. I worked on the other side, and you could just go the highway route. That doesn't sound like this kind of human way of doing things, though. That's right. I just, uh, but instead, I could go up around Mount Wellington. If you if you've ever been to Hobart, you'd obviously know Mount Wellington. It's a dominant geographical feature, and this road basically skirts around the base of it. Um, starts in a place called Longley. There's a good pub. Uh, it's a obviously, as you'd expect, a, a 
prominent stage in Targa Tasmania. And it's got everything. Like, um, it's super twisty, but there are some straight bits. It's bumpy. It's like your typical tarmac rally stage. You can get snow. I've driven it in snow. I've driven it when there's moss, there's moss frequently on the roads. Um, there'd be oil down and stuff like that. Various friends of mine threw their cars off it at various stages. Um, but <laughs> if you get a chance to drive it, it's fantastic. Um, I actually wrote it down. What's it called? It's called the... The B64, it's only about 20 k's long, but it is a fantastic 20 k's. And yeah, if I could, if I could drive a, a road tomorrow, I'd happily drive that one. And for I'd probably choose a, I think a 911 GT3 would be good. It's, uh, I've never driven, I've never driven anywhere that has quite as much moss as some places in Tasmania. We, yeah. I did one stage of Target Tassie, came over this crest. It was like driving onto a waterlogged pool table. It was just <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, that's What's that about, Scotty? There's a couple good of, of air quality. Lots of moss and lichen can only grow in places where they have lovely air, and you certainly can say that about Tasmania, can't you? Yeah, yep. absolutely. So, um, 911 GD3 would be at the upper end of a car that you could sort of exploit on it because it's quite narrow and bumpy and stuff like that, but it would be a hell of a lot of fun and put the windows down, hear that six. So, yeah, that's my first choice. Daniel. Can I step in at this stage and perhaps introduce the first of the rules that we have not yet discussed? No. And that is you're not allowed to pick a 911 GT3 for any other roads. Because we're talking about driving roads here and everyone's <laughs> obviously going to say, well, the 911 GT3 is going to be the best car because it's a driver's road. So from now on, you're not allowed to pick any 911. Okay. I so like this rule. It's, yeah. It's okay. kind of prefaced by the fact that a 911 GT3 is great on all of them. Yeah. Okay, so do you want me to pick a different yeah. car, or I'll just? We can't no, you can, have, you can have that. No. Okay, you can have yeah, that one. Can, oh, yes, no, I get the yeah. I get the GD three. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and well done to Andy for picking something that wasn't an nine eleven for his first row. All right, okay. Well, I will weigh in at this point uh, with something which is also slightly predictable, uh, and that is, um, I want to pick the uh, the uh, Great Alpine Road um, up at Hotham. Thank you, Andy, for introducing the segment with that. For all of the reasons you specified. Um, it's, but for me, one of the things that's so lovely about it is it's so unbelievably surprising. You can take some pictures, as we did, and we'll talk about this uh, in a moment, Andy. You take pictures from that anywhere along that road and send it to someone in another part of the world, and they simply won't believe it's Australia, especially if you no. go there in the colder months, when there's just snow everywhere. It is a proper alpine winter wonderland. But the best time of year to go there, of course, is when it is summer. And particularly like the height of summer when Melbourne is stinking hot and you just don't want to be there. It can be 40 degrees in Melbourne. It'd probably be mid twenties up at Hotham. And it, that yeah. for me is, it's an escape. You can get out of that heat. And if you book some accommodation, it is wonderful. But as you say, the roads are just divine and beautifully they're deserted in the summer. You know, the mm. only people who really got there are a few mountain bikers. There's not really anything to do because the, the snow resorts are all closed. It's just deserted. The picturesque scenery is absolutely spectacular. And as you say, the sheer variety of corners um, is wonderful. The only thing that's not great about it was the time we went up there and the, and they'd completely cocked up road surface, didn't they? And they put the wrong asphalt down and it was a bloody death trap. <laughs> that was terrifying. As, as sort of uh, frightening as it was for us, it was the bikers who were arriving up the top of the car park who looked just grey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last time I was up there, there was actually a biker that we came around the corner and there was a biker. It must have just happened. He was about 20 metres down, down a ravine, um, slowly clambering oh. his way back up. So he was actually, he looked all right. But, um, well, as all right as you can be over the edge of a cliff. Good track. effort. 
Um, yeah. It's a very special part of the world. And, and a lot of people don't know that Australia can really offer scenery like that. Oh, and he's on the wines already. Excellent. Well, it is Friday. It's, Never too early. It's, it's, it's Coke Zero. What a, what a <laughs> virtuous, virtuous chap I am. Yes. Um, the Great Alpine Road should be driven in depth. A 911 not. GT3. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would probably, I would go something with a bit more grip than the Alpine A110 that I nearly threw off the side of a cliff. Um, and for that reason, I'd probably go Audi TTRS. Oh, yeah. Yep. Actually, I had the a underrated charger car. The amazing thing yeah. about that is that um, that road is because we did performance car of the year up there a few years ago. It was stunning, um, obviously for obvious reasons. Um, and even if you're in a, not in a razor sharp car, you've, you can wind it back and be perfectly happy at six or seven tenths because you've got the yeah. view to look at. We finished photography, so it was like just the last bit of sunset. And I was in an LC 500, which isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. It's a bit big and stuff like that. But windows down, listening to that engine note with the, one of the best views you'll ever see in the world. And it was just one of the best drives I've ever had, even though the car maybe wasn't your five-star driver's car. It was just such an amazing life moment uh, to experience that. And a quick, uh, Andy talked about the Alpine Ring, but obviously if you keep going towards the coast, towards Bairnsdale, you obviously lose the Alpine section, but that road is equally amazing. It turns into these amazing, like open flats, um, like big sweepers and stuff like that, more farmland. And then it turns into this Canyon, which is again, another fantastic road. So you spoil for choice in that neck of the woods. You can do the ring and end up back in bright, as Andy said, but if you keep going to the coast, which is, it's a, you could almost do that in a one, in one day, it'd be probably 12 or 13 hours, but you'd uh, have the hell of it, have the drive of your life. So yeah. Plenty of choices. Back to you then, Andy. Right. This one is a, a bit of a staple for car manufacturers in Europe when they're looking to go on a winter launch and they require better weather than we typically get in the UK. And it's the Ronda Road, which runs from um, San Pedro de Alcantara down on the uh, southern coast of Spain. And it just winds up into the hills to Ronda, which is this ridiculously picturesque village. Um, with, a, with an ancient bridge that runs over a gorge. It's a great place for lunch, but the road itself is, is all time. It's, it just climbs continuously. It's really, really well surfaced. You've got a lot of clean sight lines across the valley where you can just apex right across corners. <laughs> and um, one of the most fun things about it is that it's inhabited by utterly demented locals. Um, they can be in, <laughs> say, at Marbella or something like that, some real piece of junk. And you can be in something quite special, and, and you're really clinging on to hold on to these guys because they suit their cars up and they know where the road goes and they, they just <laughs> wait for people like us to turn up. Um, but it, it's a really, really great road. And um, one of the, the most delightful things about, about the Ronda Road, apart from like some beautiful sort of Serrano ham for lunch at the top, is that you can then go from there onto Ascari Race Resort, which sits just on the outskirts of Ronda, which is a, another very special place. Um, Klaus Vart, who built the place, he um, attempted to replicate a lot of the best corners um, from racetracks around the world. So uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery there. 
Um, and it, it's a really, really nice uh, venue. It's kind of gone out of favour a little bit of late. Um, I don't know if he's put his prices up or something, but I haven't heard so many events taking place at Ascari. Probably but, uh, too, many, too many scared journalists. <laughs> if, you're ever down that, <laughs> if you're ever down that part of the world, I, I urge you to drive this road. Um, the best, one of the best launches I ever went on was when I missed a plane and arrived at the BMW Z3M Coupe launch late. And uh, all, all the other journalists had gone out in the cars and I just turned up and there were three of them in the car park and they said, just, just take one and drive it. And when you run out of fuel, just come back here and get another one. I thought, this is great. So I was just pounding them up and down the um, Ronda Road all day. And I took some pictures on this uh, boat ramp uh, above a lake. And the boat ramp was so slippery that when I tried to drive the car off the boat ramp, it just started going backwards into the lake. Um, <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> I thought this is going to be very embarrassing. Uh, terrible phone call to BMW that your car's in a lake. Um, the only thing I could do in the end was stand on the sill and bounce the car up and down to try and get some traction and have the other foot in on the gas pedal and hope for the best. Uh, and amazingly, it did this huge snaky kind of wheel spin up the boat ramp with me hanging on outside of the vehicle. Like <laughs> and, a Japanese drifter. Managed to save it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Nearly what the idea of someone finding this car submerged in the water with a dead Englishman at the wheel and trying to piece together exactly how we arrived at this situation. He was in no danger, but for some reason he didn't. Yeah. With a couple Beautiful of pitiful, pitiful lines just slowly snaking their way back into the, into the ooze. Estrel like Blue example. <laughs> uh, okay, Scotty. Okay. Are we back to um, Tasmania? No, we're, we're out of Tasmania Ooh. now. Okay. Got a few more, got a couple more Tassie picks, um, but I'm going to choose a bit of a left field choice, not for me, but for most people, I guess. Is it's a stage called Nambucca, which was the highlight of Rally Australia every year when it was in uh, and around Coffs Harbour. Uh, it was a 51-kilometer stage, which is pretty long by uh, rally stage standards, or modern day anyway. And I drove this stage before the rally. I went up there a bit early few years ago and drove some of the route and drove Nambucca and it just is it's just heaven basically so goes in and out of the Shire roads um so it's all really really fast like fifth and sixth gravel obviously in a rally car not in a regular car hopefully um were you in a Mitsubishi XL by chance I was not. I was not in a Mitsubishi XL or even a Hyundai XL handy. Oh, I was in a um, Hyundai. I was in a Hyundai Santa Fe, um, and even that was fun because you know, gravel. You know, it's got a appropriate tyres and stuff like that. So, and you can obviously see a long way, mostly on all these Shire roads. But there's also sections that go through little towns. There's a bit of tarmac there. Um, so there are some tarmac corners, there's some bridges, but to link up and make this big, massive stage, they basically have to go over a mountain. So you'll be on this beautifully smooth, winding, flowing gravel. Then you take a, basically a sharp turn into a totally different character. It's really rocky, really rough, really steep. Like some of the like lower class two-wheel drive cars struggle to get up these inclines. Um, so... It just adds a bit more variety, a bit more adventure to the, uh, to the stage. So basically you drive this 50 kilometers and you'll see every type of road, every type of road surface and probably have a bit of fun, you know, slithering around on gravel and stuff. And that's why the Ford Ranger Raptor would be my vehicle of choice. Stick it in Baja mode, 
Oh, cheeky skids. Don't have to worry about slowing down for any of the potholes or the rough stuff. Just go flat chat. So if I can't have a WRC car, that'd be even better. I've been over this stage um, with Bruce Garland. At the, at oh, the yes, you would have. Yes. I was co-driving for him, but I don't remember any of it because I had my head buried in this <laughs> navigator's book and was calling notes. So, yeah, I have no recall of this at all. Yes. Dan, you'll be able to ask Molly about it. I'm sure she'll have a few memories. <laughs> Podcast in itself there. <laughs> Daniel. Um, okay, where to go next? I really wanted to pick, there's a particular road, I can't remember it by name, um, out of Vancouver. Um, I did it on a Porsche launch years ago, and the road itself is perfect. Really well maintained, wide, great visibility, incredible views, variety of corners. Um, The only thing that ruined it was... Canada's speed limits. They're the only ones I've known that are any more draconian than Australia's. Isn't it all 80 or something? Oh, yeah, at, at most 80. Uh-huh. And you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, it actually ends up at a, a, a track that's part owned by Porsche. Um, and we were was there the, in the... Was this the Panamera Turbo S launch? Or something? Yes. yes. Yes, it was. So Is we're in a car- Sky Highway up through Squamish, that road. That sounds very familiar, yes. Okay. Um, and so it was in every way perfect. We were in a fantastic car, a car that is blisteringly quick no matter where you put it, despite its size and weight. And we were put, it, we were put on a road that we basically, it was a huge cock tease. There was nothing, nothing <laughs> and thank goodness they actually, we ended up at a race circuit so we could end up enjoying it. The thing that made it all the worst was that we, for some reason, I don't know any circumstances prior to this, it's been a really good idea. We agreed to take the, the PR with us um, and that's normally great because they encourage you to enjoy the car. But on this particular occasion, they kept reminding us every three seconds that the speed limit was 80 Ks and we absolutely would have the car impounded. The problem was, is that cars weren't resident in Canada. They had to go on somewhere else. If they got impounded, they'd miss the boat to where they were going next and it would be all kinds of hell to pay. So yeah, it was, it was the biggest cockpit. So great road, terrible circumstances. So, so does that um, mean you want to drive it in something like a... Diatsu Charade, one yes. liter turbo. Yes, perfect. Sweet. Not the GTTI, the one that came before that, the boxy-shaped one, which was the three-cylinder turbo, not intercooled, so it made about four kilowatts, but made a great sound, and you drive it on two wheels everywhere. Awesome. Perfect. Well, talking of um, slow and dreadful cars, uh, my (laughs) next road, uh, uh, I've only sampled once, and it was in an Iranian-built, Peugeot 206 sedan. That's um, horrendous. I'm amazed yeah. you're alive. It was truly awful, this car. I, got, I picked it up from um, the airport in Amman, in Jordan, and uh, drove it down to Aqaba. And from there, I came up along the shore of the Dead Sea. And this road starts on the shore of the Dead Sea and then winds up into the mountains to the summit of Mount Nebo, which is uh, allegedly where um, Moses is buried. Uh, um, in a I, nearly buried, I nearly buried myself as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I had a few cracks at this road. Um, it's it's a really really good road, um, but it's 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 wide and it's got those sweeping hairpin bends and, it, and it's absolutely deserted as well. And so, you probably want a car that had some had some stomp. So you could 
you could make these hairpin bends challenging um, by dint of ridiculous speed. So, so something like um, a Mercedes AMG GTC, GTR, something like that would be, yeah. would be pretty awesome on that road. And the views are just mind-blowing, looking back down over the Dead Sea um, from the summit. I have a question. The, desert and the Holy Land and stuff. Yeah. My question, what was the best part about the Peugeot 206 sedan built in Iran? <laughs> um, the best that. part was, was seeing how badly it came off in a collision with a horse trap in Aqaba. <laughs> I parked it and someone had driven a horse trap into the front of it. And uh, it, was, it, it was just the sorriest state. This thing must have hit it at about three kilometres an hour. And, and virtually every constituent part of plastic had fallen off the front of this thing. And uh, I managed to cable tie everything back together and hand it back, and they didn't notice any difference. <laughs> which, which was a score for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, back to me. I'll go back to Tasmania. Uh, it'll be a road that I know Daniel will be familiar with because we drove it together on the Audi RS5 oh. launch. Oh, I remember it well. Um, Andy, I don't know, you might have done it on a various Tassie launch. It is basically you go from Strawn to Hobart or Hobart to Strawn. Um, I tried to pick a certain road, but I couldn't because the whole way is bloody awesome. It's about 266 kilometers apparently, according to Google Maps. Um, Google Maps says it takes you about four hours probably do it in a bit less than that if you're uh, so inclined. Um, it's the A10 if you're looking at, looking for it. Uh, yeah, basically, best way to do it is probably leave Hobart, drive to Strawn, stay the night, have a, have a nice bit of seafood or something in a uh, waterfront restaurant there. There's a few. And then the next day you get to wake up and do it all again. Um, it's kind of a full day of Target Tasmania. You get all the famous stages like Strawn, 99 bends through Queenstown, uh, Mount Arrowsmith, which is 52 Ks of just super fast tarmac. Uh, Taralea, you wind down this valley in past a power station. Um, it just never stops. It's a fantastic bit of driving. Um, most people will be familiar with it because if you do a Tassie driving holiday, you'll probably do that road. Um, the only thing you've got to be careful of is the weather because it's usually cold and bloody miserable on the west coast of Tasmania. Um, but apart from that, it's driving Nirvana. The scenery is amazing. It's pretty rugged and you get to see all sorts of lush forests and mountains. Tasmania prior to coming, oh, the Yam told us about, because this is all sounding very much like some kind of tourism advert. No, but uh, if Tourism Tasmania is willing to or looking to spend some of its yeah. marketing budget, please get in touch via the Witch Curl website. Um, Absolutely. You a taste of what we can do already. That's right. That's a um, I think How's this route set for suicidal um, marsupials, Scotty? Because some places uh, in Tasmania. Yeah, you'd probably it, so. you'd do well to have a like a cow catcher, like on the front of your car. That'd be good. Um, so what is the chosen car then? If you couldn't get one for the RS5, as far as I know, so what would it be? So if it's dry, I'd go an 812 super fast. Because oh, wow, why not all the big guns? Um, yeah, but I think if it was wet, I'd probably go something like an i30N, which would be more than quick enough, a bit more stable, a bit safer, but um, plenty agile for those. Mm, I mean, the RS5 car. was very, very good through there. It must be said, like it was great car. So that's another good choice. 
So, but yeah, hopefully we drive it again soon because it's awesome when we can get out of our homes. I've forgotten what that's like. I've, yeah. just, I've decided I'm going to re-enter society after all this is over. I don't like it anymore. I'm scared <laughs> of the outside. <laughs> and right, it's scared of next... you. Yeah, well, yeah, rightly so. That's, <laughs> that's, the danger is real. Yeah. Um, the next pick for me has to be a road I recently discovered um, on my last overseas trip. And when I say last overseas trip, I mean my most recent, but it might also be my last overseas trip if things continue the way they're going. Um, it was on, on the North Island of New Zealand, right up in the far north, uh, a road I found uh, from Russell to a place called Bland Bay, which is a really unfair name to give this <laughs> place because it's bloody beautiful. Um, we, did, we were shooting some cars up there and uh, the video team had been out a couple of days earlier to recce the area and they found this road. They said it's pretty spectacular and they, they, they were absolutely on the money. I, it was deserted. North of um, New Zealand, is, there's very few people there uh, at the best of times. And I was lucky enough to be in the new Hyundai Veloster Turbo. Um, That's and a good car. It was, isn't it a fantastic car, Scotty? I, I, I read one of your after and and I thought I thought I was under some kind of spell you know how you're in these amazing places and you often think maybe it was just the scenery maybe it was you know just the way I was being looked after you know maybe my my excellent judgment as an impartial motor journalist was clouded but the car was perfect it was that forgiving front wheel drive chassis enough power beautiful little um suspension setup the car looks great when you're not in it it was just and these roads the scenery everywhere you turn my my theory of, for the segment we're shooting is that if um if distracted drivers are dangerous then new zealand has got to be one of the most dangerous places to drive in the world because every corner another amazing view and it was just it was mind-blowing and yeah as i say we shared the roads with with no one the whole time we were there and um, it was beautiful. It was one of those real pleasant surprises. You know, but we thought we were just going to get good scenery, but we got the roads to match as well. So it was, it was bloody amazing. Um, and for that reason, it would have to be the Hyundai Veloster. I can't think of a better car as, as circumstances would have it. It's a lovely little road car, that. Like, it's, like, even on track, it's quite, it's reasonably entertaining for what it is. But, yeah, it's just, it's kind of supple and, like you say, quick enough, but you don't have to always watch the speedo because you're not going a million, billion miles an hour. Um, yeah. yeah. And what a step up over the previous version as well. Oh. Absolutely. Andy. Okay. Um, this is a bit of a, a, a weird one. Um, it's the Tizi Ntichka Pass, Bless you. which runs out of a, you come out of Marrakesh and it goes over the high Atlas mountains over towards um, the Sahara desert. And uh, it's just the most spectacular mountain pass road. You can come out of, out of the town and it'd be just going into snow almost instantly and you go through these tiny little Berber villages and uh, some parts of it are really really nicely surfaced and then you come around a corner and the road is completely gone washed away by a by a river or something or you have to cross avalanche debris um, you can go down the back um, to Wazazat and beautiful places down there we ran all the way down to the border with um, Western Sahara and ended up in a minefield <laughs> Which wasn't wasn't the best course of action in a Suzuki Alto. But, well, you're in minefield, though, isn't that the, isn't that the essence of a good minefield? Is you don't know until all your arms <laughs> come off. Yeah, yeah, those those pesky stealth minefields. <laughs> um, 
And uh, yeah, it, if you like a bit of sort of adventure driving, that is a, a fantastic uh, driving. And Marrakesh is a crazy, crazy place to drive a car. We had a hotel there. We just we just sat at breakfast time. It overlooked a large roundabout, and we just like fell about laughing like for hours of people riding bicycles the wrong way around the roundabout, going straight across the roundabout, and crashing into things. Um, it was just the best entertainment. But yeah, Tizzy and Titchka Pass. There's another one called the Tizzy and Test, which is just as good. Um, both really great adventure drives. Um, if I was to choose a vehicle, ah, a Raptor would be good, but I'm going to go for the old Mitsubishi Pajero Evolution. Hey. Um, yeah, something, something with a bit of a uh, bit of go, bit rugged, bit stupid, and uh, you can you can cut loose on the flatlands when you get back down the other side. Well. Yeah, that Parry Dakar vibe going off. I'm going to continue that theme because uh, my next road is also unsealed. It is out east of Victoria. Um, basically, if you head... I feel bad about giving this one away because I don't want anyone else to go there. Um, <laughs> at the moment, it's kind of deserted. So I'll tell you this, just don't... You can never drive it because you'll get in my way. Um, this so, podcast will be as soon as we crack 10,000 <laughs> subscribers. <laughs> Uh, it's called South Face Road. So basically, if you drive to Mount Borbor at some point, you go out through this, which is a good road in itself, but a bit narrow, a bit hard to really enjoy a car on. At some point, you turn left up to the summit. If you continue going straight, you get basically 25 kilometres of just astoundingly good gravel road, which then sort of drops you out north of Maui. Off you go on your merry way. But that 25k section, I think they've used it in a couple of rally, rally of Melbourne's or something like that. But it's unbelievable. It's really, really wide. You're talking probably like four or five lanes wide at least. Surface is really good. You could drive a normal car on it, no problems. You don't have to worry about rattling your teeth out or anything like that. The rocks aren't very big. Um, and it's sort of fast and flowing. It goes up and down over these bridges and stuff like that. It's just got a lovely flow to it. You don't have to be driving like crazy because the car's always sort of shimmying around a little bit because you're on this loose surface. So it's just a really enjoyable way to um, really enjoy. And it's actually, if you are going to Borbo, it's probably the fastest way to get home because you don't have to then go out through that super twisty access road again. Yeah. Um, and the car I'm going to choose is actually the car I drove it most recently in, which was a, the Range Rover Velar SVA. Because uh, that's on these all-terrain tyres, yeah. which don't make a lot of sense in terms of a performance SUV, but suddenly you can bomb along. No worries about punctures because you've got nice, healthy sidewall. Um, it's obviously got plenty of grunt and that chassis is just pretty loose if you want it to be. Uh, so it's kind of like a big Mitsubishi Evo really. So um, it's a hell of a lot of fun. And obviously you've got that five liter V8 to provide the soundtrack. So yeah, if you're ever in that neck of the woods, Go and have some fun on South Face Road. It's awesome. And also out that way, a uh, recommendation for Tarmac is uh, that road to the Thompson Dam. Yes. It sort of uh, runs out of metalled road, so it's kind of a bit of a dead end and nobody goes down there. And that's, that's, right. a, that's a riot in a hot hatch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Daniel. Good pick. All right. Um, my penultimate pick of ultimate driving roads would have to be 
Uh, forgive me if this is a bit predictable. It's often listed in you know one of the best driving roads in the world, but there's good reason for that. It bloody is. Is the Hakone Highway um, in Japan, uh, which is bloody spectacular. If you walked it, you'd have a great time because on one side you have views of Mount Fuji, and on the other you have um, beautiful lake vistas and uh, you know the, the scenery that Japan is renowned for up and down the country, not just in this one specific area. But then. On top of that is this incredible road, which um, it's like, you know, some of those roads, you just you drive them, you think this could have been a straight road if they'd really tried hard enough. Um, but it's like someone knew it was going to be as much fun. And so they just kept it a little bit bendy. And it's just, it's lovely. It's not one of those relentless sort of Alpine roads, which just is, you know, arm over arm over arm. There's, you know, it's a bit technical. It's a bit interesting. And once again, you don't have to drive it like an absolute maniac, which is good because this is another one of those roads that has a 40 kilometer an hour limit. The difference 40? here, yeah, it's bloody ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. The difference here though, is that everyone ignores it. And I mean everyone. Um, people at the upper end of the spectrum completely ignore it like, like it's not even there. No one seems to do anything about it. But then annoyingly, there is a segment of the population that drives it and genuinely need to use it as some kind of connecting road. And they do under 40 kilometers now but it's great because the, the overtaking opportunities are abound um another interesting thing about this road is it's got this little musical section which i know they've done in several other locations in Japan, but you drive over it and they've cut grooves into the top of the road so as you drive over it the vibration and um the humming that comes through the tires actually sings a little tune to you which was uh which was weird i thought i completely lost my mind again uh but it turns out it was just a little tourist feature it's meant to um, encourage you to drive at the right speed isn't it because if you go over it at 40 it'll go ding 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 rather than ding 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 no because it does no i see it as a challenge because uh, the faster it still maintains the relative pitch of each note so you get it but it's just in a different octave so the faster you go you actually rewrite the <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then when only dogs can hear it, you know that you've completely broken the speed. <laughs> no, it's a wonderful road. Um, difficult to choose a car because there's some really quite sort of nice sort of uh, tight switchbacks and things. Something with a bit taily would be really good. And I don't know why, but the thing that springs to mind would be um, an uh, the last of the RX sevens, the N N D. Oh. Is it? Yeah. Fifty. That's a very good. Yeah, yeah. Very good. RX seven. Yeah, something you can really ring out on the, the stretches. Um, it's not, you know, it's a quick car, obviously, uh, but a bit taily. Um, yeah, I, I think that would probably be a really nice match. Very good. That's good. All right, Andy, your last, last but not least. Um, my last but not least, um, you're probably expecting me to say the Nordschleifen. It's an it's a all-time road, that one. But um, I'm going to go with one that I haven't driven yet. It's on the bucket list. Uh, Again, it's a bit of an adventure drive, probably more 4x4 Australia than, than wheels, but it's the Karakoram Highway um, going between Pakistan and China. Um, that's just one of the most spectacular drives in the world. Starts off in Abbottabad in Pakistan. You might remember that from where Osama bin Laden had a bit of a bad day. Um, and then heads up right up to sort of 5,000 metres, and it's the uh, confluence of the Hindu Kush, the Karakoram and the Himalayas. And so, you know, you can see some of the highest peaks in the world, like Nanga Parbat from that road. And, and it ends up in China. And it's just the most crazy road. A whole section of it was washed out when a, a, a dam was in danger of breaking. And, and cars had to be shipped across on a, 
or across this temporary lake by boats for for a while but um now it's fixed and uh i'd like to do that road probably i'd wait for a better political situation in that part of the world in order to do it but uh yeah one day i want to be there and do, do it that probably in a probably in an old land cruiser or something something that you could just repair with a lump hammer um not the new defender yeah, uh new defender probably um I haven't driven that yet. That looks good. Looks promising, doesn't it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, the most, for the most spectacular scenery in the world, I don't think you can beat that road. Yeah, but as you say, important that you've got something that you can actually fix yourself because, you know, the essence of a really good adventure road is one that you're not going to be killed in, in the car. It's when you leave the car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've got you to have something that can um, deliver a, uh, a good blow to a donkey and, and still survive. <laughs> that could be taken so many different ways uh, oh, so moving on <laughs> uh, for, for my final pick um, back to Tassie no I really need to get out more but then Tassie I could drive around I could be isolated in Tassie for the rest of my life in terms of driving I think and be perfectly happy as most people could um, it's called the Weldra Pass again it might be a road you've driven you would have driven it on Targa Andy if you did it um, it basically goes from Launceston to St. Helens on the East Coast, sort of the northern route. Uh, fantastic bit of road. Again, you get so many good roads. Welber Pass, the Sideling, which is a famous bit of road. Um, got everything you need. And you end up in St. Helens, which is a beautiful spot near the Bay of Fires. You've got lovely beaches out there. You've got great seafood to eat and fish and chips and stuff like that. So there's a guaranteed good lunch spot. Um, and the road is just fantastic. It just never stops twisting and turning, but it goes through beautiful farmland. A lot of the, a lot of the uh, corners have that beautiful camber, like you'd almost get in New Zealand, but it's tarmac. But uh, so you can sort of flow the car from one to the yeah. other, commit a bit harder. And it's a bit like um, Ronda Road, Andy, in that you'll invariably come across some grizzled farmer in a battered old, battered old Hilux that's oversteering around various corners going about a million miles an hour that you're trying to catch them in a Ferrari or something. Um, so that's also an added challenge unless they're on coming at you on the wrong side of the road, which is occupational hazard. Um, but yeah, that's another good one. It's what is it? 160 K. So you can do it in the morning. Um, we did the yeah. golf, the Mark seven golf GDI launch there, which was very good, but I'd go a golf R I think, and it'd be perfect. Playful enough bit to of, have a bit of, bit of grip. fun. Uh, on the switchbacks, you're not in terminal understeer hell. Um, plenty of pace, comfortable when you need to switch off, and yeah, practical enough to keep all your all your gear in the back on your driving holiday. That is a great road. I was out that way um, on an Audi S5 launch, and in case you don't know, on, on press launches, they, they they sort of treat you like you're naughty children. And in the evening, when you arrive at your accommodation, you hand the keys over to the car and, you know, have dinner and that sort of thing. On this launch, they didn't take the keys off us. And so I'm, <laughs> sit I'm, I'm sitting in my room looking at this Audi S5 key and go, why not? And so <laughs> everyone had finished dinner and I thought, right, I'm going out for a blast. And uh, I drove this car like a Dementor for about like 45 minutes or an hour on these great roads. Came back and handed the car back. What I hadn't really bear in mind was that Audi had calculated this route like <laughs> forensically and how much fuel was needed to, to cover the road 
I handed the car over to um, my colleague, I'm eternally shamed by this, Byron Matthew Darkis in the morning <laughs> as we headed off to the airport. <laughs> he got in and got about halfway and the fuel light came on for him. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that, Byron. There's plenty it's of one... fuel down the east coast of Tassie. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. Um, the, the, there's a, a brilliant sort of poetic thing about that because whenever we've been on launches where some kind of economical driving challenge has been set, Byron is always the one that wins it. So if only you told him, he could have got that car to anywhere pretty much in the country on the fuel it had. <laughs> Oh, well, it was a, yeah, it was an inadvertent eco challenge for for the for the king of hypermiling. There you go, amazing. Dan, take well, us leave... home. All right. Well, interestingly, as you you started off, uh, Scotty, with one of your favourite local home roads, I'm going to finish with with the equivalent in the UK. It's a road that we um, locally affectionately call the Blackdown Top Road. Um, it's a road that runs if you. Uh, Googling all of these locations or using any other internet search uh, function for that matter. Um, it runs between, please, please do ask Jeeves, <laughs> wherever he may be. Um, fired or retired, one or the other. Uh, <laughs> it goes between effectively two towns in the southwest of the UK in a county called Somerset um, from Chard, H A R D, uh, all the way down to a town called Wellington. And it's this wonderful. Uh, B slash C road that that coasts along the top of the, the Black Downs, which is a range of hills. And it's wonderful because it's totally deserted. Um, it, it is a wide variety of cornering sections, but also these lovely straights in between. So if you're in, I mean, this is perfect for when you've got your first, second car as a kid, because you've got these stretches where you can really ring out and tell your mates how quickly you went between this corner and that which isn't very fast ever because the cars we were driving. Um, and then you're into these corners that taught you a thing or two about driving badly, which of course I knew plenty about. Um, the reason I really would love to go back and revisit is it's, it's also the location for the biggest crash I ever had in the car. And I would love to go back and perhaps sort of, you know, bury recreate some of these it. demons. In Sorry? Recreate it. We... <laughs> Hopefully not. That wouldn't be the, that's not the plan. What um, were you what in, Dad? Like, what were you in? That's the thing. I'd have to go back in the modern day equivalent of it. So I was in um, my first uh, BMW. It makes me sound very privileged, but you know I've owned many BMWs in the ensuing years. It was an E twenty one three one six, and I love that car. And so, question to you, gentlemen, is what is the modern day equivalent of an E twenty one three series of nineteen eighty uh, with a naturally aspirated carburetted one point six four cylinder? A Peugeot 206. I'm struggling to think of something that was quite so underpowered. Yeah. Um, something rear wheel drive and underpowered. What about like a Renault, the, like the latest Renault Twingo? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, I don't know. There's, there's not something. Yeah. I don't. Maybe there isn't the modern day equivalent. Okay. Well, the, the car that I would definitely do it in then um, was a car. It was the first Ferrari I ever had a ride in. It was a 355, and I was taken on a ride and uh, by the owner. And he drove it like an absolute maniac, uh, which was glorious. It's one of those occasions when, um, you know, you, you, you want to drive it yourself, but it's probably better to let the owner drive because they'll always get more out of it than you would. Um, I have not got over the envy of that day. Still to this day, I'm green with jealousy. And the only way I'm ever going to 
um, diffuse that is by actually getting my own hands on a 355 and driving the Blackdown top brakes. It's the only way it's going to happen. There you go. Oh, Life goals. It's a great sounding car. Life goals. Um, forgive the, uh, the sock with camel that was flying over during that last uh, suggestion of my favourite driving road. I suppose, gentlemen, that kind, of, that kind of winds things up, doesn't it, for this very unusual episode of Which Car Weekly? Does. Indeed, indeed. We all, we, all, we all love, we all got these great driving roads. There's, there's probably loads more that we could go into. But, uh, you know, f- for me, just the sheer relentlessness and challenge of these great roads. Um, and uh, there appears to be a cat trying to eat my <laughs> microphone. <laughs> um, yeah. Please write in you know, with your own. Uh, if you're listening to this, yeah. send us an email or a picture or Instagram or whatever. Tag us on Insta. You know, we've all got all those myriad uh, outlets now. And because if there's a good one we don't know know about, we want to go and drive it. So, yeah, exactly right, exactly right. And um, yes, uh, forgive the unexpected, slightly different format for which Car Weekly for this in- instalment. Um, we can't promise it's the last. Um, because who knows what's going to happen from one week and month to the next in these interesting times. All that we can say is, um, you know, keep following those regulations. Let's get through this really strange time as quickly as we can. If those uh, local stipulations, according to your state or part of the world, allow then by all means get in the car, keep enjoying these roads, but do do the right thing by everyone because it is a weird time. And if we all do the right thing, we're going to be at the end of this tunnel as soon as possible and we can get things back to normal. If you like what we're doing with the podcast in this new visual media, then let us know. And, um, and who knows, we may carry on doing it. And it, it will be great for us because it means we get out of that horrible, stuffy, stinky podcast studio at the Barrow Studios. Um, in the meantime, do stay safe. Keep all those stories coming and get in touch through the website, whichcar.com.au and, and stay safe everyone out there.